I'm Debbie Buckner, and you're listening to the Westfield Second Ward Family Podcast. Debbie Buckner, and you've been in the ward? Two years. And so last week we talked with Ben, your husband. Yes. And so um, so I'm excited to get to know you. I know Ben pretty well, because me and Ben, we're on meetings every week with, with family history stuff. So I feel like I know Ben pretty well, but, but you, we've had a few conversations, but I don't feel like I know you as well. So this will be a lot of fun. So one of the nice things about personal history is, well, let me first ask you, are you big into genealogy and that sort of a thing? Oh, big. What does big mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd say I'm, uh, I tinker. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know enough to get into much depth, but I do go into my family charts and look around and I've tried to find people before, not super successful. I guess my cop-out is that I come from a family where there's a lot of genealogists, mm-hmm. and so I feel like they've done everything, right. and there's nothing left, but I know that that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know a lot of pe- some people can get intimidated by family history, but one of the nice things about personal history is you are an expert of you, and so... That's it's, it, This should be the easiest part of family history that we ever do. So, Well, where did you grow up? Let's start there. I grew up in Utah County. Oh, you're in, a Utah uh, County girl. In Orem. Orem. And then I moved to Linden when I was a senior in high school. Oh, so do you and Ben know each other from high school? No, we didn't. We didn't oh. meet until... Well, I moved to Linden, but then I moved off to college. Um, I continued to go to, go to Tippinogus in Orem and finished out there, and then I moved off to college. Um, Timpanogos is in Orem? The yeah, high school? Yeah, Timpanogos High School. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's three high schools. I didn't know that yeah. was in Orem. Oh, yeah, there's Tim View, Timpanogos. You know, Mountain it's easy View to get and Orem. Mixed up, yes. I, I mentioned to Jeff Hammond, I was like, oh, you were an Orem Tiger. He's like, no, I went to Mountain View, and I was like, oh, <laughs> forgot. <laughs> so. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim View, or Timpanogos, that's cool. Yes. So, uh, so you moved to Linden your senior year and then just kept going to Timonogos to finish it out? Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. So, and, uh, so tell us about, do you have two or three memories from childhood that stick out? Yeah, I have a couple that I don't know if it's more my memory more, or more people like retelling me the story and mm-hmm. me remembering it in their words, but... Um, <laughs> I remember one fun story, and this is more about my brother than me, but I was present. So my dad, we lived in Detroit for about a year, and my dad was there doing an internship for um, Ross Perot. Oh, for, really? Um, or wait, was it Perot or was it, it was EDS, something. I don't know. I know Ross Perot has a big building up there. Anyway, but, um, so he, he worked in a big building. Uh, out there in Detroit doing an internship and one day my mom and my brother and I went to up to my dad's office to to go to lunch with him and my little brother who was I was four and he was two he pulled the fire alarm in the building Uh and so this whole big skyscraper of building was completely evacuated oh my goodness and uh my mom had to go out and talk to the fire department and explain the situation and she said it was the most embarrassing thing she's ever done so and i do have a vague memory of that but that was pretty early (laughs) so i don't know like i said how true my memory is or if that's more my mom retelling it to me through the years but 
Well, at least you didn't set the, the hillside on fire like President Monson, right? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can blame it on your brother. It wasn't even <laughs> you. So that's funny. That's funny. Any other stories from childhood? That's a good one, though. Oh, gosh. Let me think. Um, another one that comes uh, to mind, and one of the reasons I choose this one is because um, this is a podcast to the ward is um, one Sunday when we were in church when I was, I think I was a teenager, there was a family who lived two doors up from from us named the Welches, and they were just characters. Like, they were just fun. Anyway, one Sunday, their uh, little boy decided that he would bring his hamster to church, and he didn't tell his parents, so Uh he took the hamster and put it in his scripture case. Because he just he wanted to be able to show his friends. Right? <laughs> so at some point during church, he pulled the hamster out of a scripture case, and it got loose. <laughs> and <laughs> some of the women in the ward noticed this thing scurrying around, and so kind of circulated in the room that there's a mouse loose in. And this was it was um, my friend's brother's um, mission farewell. The same. Sunday. So he was up giving his mission farewell. And there was just a lot of commotion (laughs) down. And like women putting their legs up on the bench. And, you know, and then the Elders Corn president and a couple other guys were up walking up and down the aisles trying to find this mouse. And my mom had some Cheerios and she decided she would set up a little mouse trap in the aisle. (laughs) She set out the Cheerios and she had a box. And she was ready to catch anyway. So you could just hear these, like, the commotion. And, and yeah, the poor missionary was like, what is going, going on? on? <laughs> After his talk, one of the bishopric members got up and said, we've heard that there's a mouse in the room. Don't, don't panic, everyone. Just stay in your seats. And I guess, sadly, what happened was one of the elders in the ward squished him with his shoe which was so sad but anyway that was a a a sacrament meeting that went down in history in our ward and that welch family was you know they were just so fun and everyone loved them so like oh yeah of course it was the welch trying to make a wow make a scene you don't get memorable sacrament meetings like that very often i'm trying to remember we did have a case where the fire department came because of a gas leak, and so we had to oh, really? let out. That was here in Lehigh. Yeah, to all evacuate the building. To evacuate the building. So church got canceled that day. But yeah, I don't have anything like that. That's funny. That's good. Well, um, so I know the next question here is: How would you describe your development of your faith? Did you grow up in the church? You served on the student council. I don't know. Any, what, tell us about your faith. Okay. You know, I grew up in a very faith-oriented family. My my mom, especially, was really big into the scriptures. My dad, too. But my mom would, like, she just, you should see her scriptures. They're just marked up to pieces. And um, so we would regularly talk about, you know, the gospel at the dinner table, you know, or, you know, just sitting down watching TV. She'd bring it up or like, see something on TV. Oh, that reminds me of... You know, and so it was something that was just ubiquitous in our life, you know, just come up all the time. And so, you know, following my mom, I just got really decided that I wanted to understand the scriptures like she did. And so I studied the scriptures a lot. 
and I, you know, my worst fear was disappointing my parents. So I was always, you know, trying to be a good girl and keep the commandments and things and um, try to develop testimony. Um, and and I, I did through the years, but I'd say that my biggest testimony builder was during my teen years um, as I you know, had trials. I, I had a period where I had clinical depression in high school. Mm. And so I turned to God a lot during that time to ask for help. Um, and he would help me, you know, through dark times and hard times and help me kind of go get through my battles and get through my low points. And because of that, I really developed a strong relationship with him um, that continued on through my, you know, college years and, and onward. So. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to jump to this next question because it seems more relatable. Um, what family relationships have played the biggest part in your life? I was going to say your mom. It sounds like your mom. <laughs> my mom. Yeah. Oh. She was a big role model for me, you know, especially spiritually speaking. Uh-huh. Um, my dad too, he was always, you know, available to give priesthood blessings or guidance. And, uh, my grandparents were a big influence on me in that way as well. They were both very strong in the gospel and kind of set a precedent of, you know, trying to be worthy and trying to be obedient and come close to God. And, and they were a source of, of love and, and acceptance yeah, so I'd say probably the biggest are my parents and my grandparents as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's good. Uh, what role has missionary service played in your life, or what role do you hope it will play in your life? Did you ask Ben this question too? I do. <laughs> he might, he might started. have told you that. So I, I had always planned on serving a mission, mm-hmm. especially you know as I was in high school and I, I felt close to the Lord. I, I really wanted to to show him that I was willing to go out and serve and do whatever he wanted me to do. So as the time drew nearer, I was preparing, you know, I took taking mission prep classes, doing all these things. And I just prayed about it. I just wanted to make sure that this was all good and this is what he wanted me to do. And I got the answer that he did not want me to go, Hmm. was which was very surprising. And um, I just kind of thought, well, gosh, maybe there's someone I need to marry who's going to be around the corner. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't really put a reason with it. And I still, to this day, don't know exactly why. But yeah, I, I, I was actually pretty kind of disappointed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've always wanted to serve a mission and figured that perhaps you'd want me to go later in life with, you know, as a senior missionary, which I remind Ben of. And He's Cause, like, because you want to go, huh? <laughs> He's like, once was enough. I, I don't want need to, to go. go again. He's like, well, I want to enjoy my retirement. <laughs> so, so we'll see. But I, I kind of at that point, I kind of had a, a shift in my thinking a little bit of like, I a full time mission is a wonderful experience and a great experience, but the greater idea is that I'm serving the Lord in whatever capacity he needs me to at whatever point of life that I'm in and that 
this earth life is mission and if he wants me to do these other things then that's what i should be willing to do well you know and i think that's great that you that you got your own personal answer because we do get a lot of times we get unexpected answers to our prayers and that's still revelation and so i yeah i think that's great I, i just think that's awesome so so let's talk a little bit about your professional life. Um, okay. I think a lot of people don't know what you do. I do. But tell us, uh, t- tell us about your professional life and where you went to school. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I went to BYU. I did an English undergrad. Okay. And I graduated from BYU and started working. And, you know, I thought, well, if I don't get married, then I probably want to do some graduate school. And I debated between doing English master's work and doing law because, you know, there's kind of just a few natural tracks after English and law tends to be (laughs) one of the ones. So, um, and I felt like law would be good to accomplish some of the goals that I had. It pays a lot better than English. And it does, it does, (laughs) but I still love English and I still love reading all that stuff. Um, so, you know, that was a little bit of a sacrifice. Well, you have to do a lot, a lot of reading in in law school, Uh, right? I know, but it's a lot more boring. (laughs) Yeah. So I did that. So you Uh, went to BYU law school too? I went to BYU law school. Okay. And then uh, I met Ben right before I went into law school, and we got engaged that first semester, and we oh, both wow. prayed about it, and I was like, should I keep doing law school? And I really don't want to give up, because I just finished my finals, and that was really tough, but I don't want to give up. But we felt like it was okay for me to continue, and I knew that he was going to be a doctor, or attempting mm-hmm. and so i thought well gosh he'll need to be supported through those years so <laughs> <laughs> i thought maybe i should just yeah finish and that way i can get a better job and maybe we can afford his dream a little bit better <laughs> and so i did work so did you put him through medical school ah <laughs> put him through is really, i don't know i helped a bit um but yeah, I worked for a little over two. Well, I worked for a year as he finishes up undergrad up at um, as a law clerk for the Fourth District Court, and where I would like do legal research. And That's help. a federal court. So no, it's a district court. So it's a it's a state court. Oh, it's state court. Yeah, okay. yeah. But it's way more fun than doing the federal stuff. The oh state really? Court, I mean, I got to sit in and listen to like some really interesting cases. So this is not up at the appellate level or. Some of these levels where you just are like talking about questions of law because that's boring. But at the district court level, you get the actual cases. You get to see evidence. You get to see, you know, you know, people giving testimony about things. And so murder cases, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Robberies, thefts, rapes, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Although most most criminal cases just go to plea deal. And so there was a lot more like the divorce cases and oh, okay. and other things like that, which, you know. Those don't go to plea deals. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Yeah, most of the time people actually resolve their own issues, which is nice, but sometimes they need to go to court. And, but that was very educational. Not always the most pleasant, but very educational to watch these things happen. Anyway, so I did that for a year and then we moved to Dallas where Ben went to medical school. And I worked for two years out there at an education law firm, which most people have never heard of education law, but right. basically you 
we do the legal work for school districts. So that includes things like acquiring property for new schools or doing large purchase contracts or doing employment. My area was more, I think, in employment, like teacher termination. Out there in Texas, at least, I don't know if that's true here, but you have to go through a number of steps in order to terminate a teacher. You have to go through like due process process yeah like hearings and things like that so that's more where i spent most of my time doing that kind of thing um so it was nice it was like a variety it's a nice little variety of things there with education law but after a couple years and ben was in the middle of medical school we had two little girls and it was just too stressful and i felt like i needed to give up working for the firm because the firm, you know, it's stressful working at a law firm and mm-hmm. you kind of have to, you have billable requirements to meet and other things. And I felt like with Ben being gone all, all the time and me doing this, it was just incompatible with having a couple little girls at home and it was too much. So I decided to change my practice and do uh, wills and trusts, which is something that I kind of focused my education on in law school. I did most of those classes and I knew some attorneys who were doing wills and trusts. So they kind of helped me get going. So I started that in Texas and then, um, that's what I'm doing still today. I just do wills and trusts and other kind of documents to help with the end of law life, you know, yeah. to prepare for end of life. Although, I mean, a lot of the documents are really important even earlier but definitely have them before the end. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, people are going to learn a lot about my family because I keep saying stuff about me, but my brother passed away in a car crash 2008. Mm-hmm. He did not have a will or anything. That was a big mess, um, big legal mess. And so because of his... <laughs> Because of his situation, I actually have a, a living trust so that hopefully we won't have the same problems that, that he had. Um, so I'll, I'll just recommend your services. Oh. <laughs> uh, obviously, I didn't use you because I didn't know you then. But, but yeah, I think living wills and trusts are very important. And, you know, yeah. let's face it, death is not something people like to talk about. No, no. <laughs> it's something we all should think about when that time comes. You know, if you have a stroke or whatever, a car accident or whatever it is, it's important to be thinking about those kinds of things. And so I, I think what you're doing is a great great thing. And I'll recommend everybody, you should think <laughs> about your wills, even though it's a crappy topic to think about. But it is. as we know from family history, we all die. Yeah. <laughs> it's no fun. I mean, I tell people it's like going to the dentist. It's like, you know you should, yeah. but it's just... You don't want to, you know, it's the thing on the to-do list that keeps getting pushed back because it's not pleasant to think about. And then, you know, attorneys can be expensive and it's just, it's one of those things that, and and most of the time, you know, you don't need one. Most of the time you're good, you know, until you're past, I mean, I'd say after the age of 65, you should definitely have one, but you know, most of the time it's not needed, but sometimes it is, and in that case, it's very, very good to have one because it's a whole. It's just a huge hassle for yes. everyone. And I know I actually have a trust, but I don't. And they gave me the papers for my living will, but I have not actually filled those out because <laughs> <laughs> who wants to talk about that? Not me. So, 
Well, interesting. I think that's a that's a fascinating thing. What you, what you do. So, what has nurtured your testimony most during your adult life? Oh, I would say that it's just the daily decision to try to commune with the Lord on a daily basis. You know, on occasion, I have these big, powerful spiritual experiences, but those are kind of rare, you know, and uh, I think it's just the daily maintaining of, you know, reading the scriptures, communing, and I'm finding as I get older, the more and more important it is to, to sit and meditate and just be quiet and try to listen. Um, and usually, you know, prayer and also scripture studying things can, can help that meditation process go even better. But I, I think sometimes I, I get to where, uh, you know, reading scriptures is kind of checking a box. And so I'll read and then I'm done. And then, but I haven't actually received the benefit of that time spent because I don't sit and listen and try to get communication from God. And anyway, so when I do integrate that into my routine, it's a really powerful and, and wonderful thing. And I think that's probably been the, the biggest, had the biggest impact on my testimony. It's just those daily things. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, cause there, I think you're right. We, as Mormons, we get into, is it okay to say Mormons? I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let it pass. As Latter-day Saints, <laughs> uh, we continually, we, we're, we're good at the checklists. <laughs> um, I remember on my mission, somebody, I don't remember who, but somebody said they knew somebody who would, they would actually tear a page out of the Book of Mormon and they would put it in their pocket. And so that any time that they had a minute or two, they would pull out that page. And so they could read it over and over, that one page because that was all they had in their pocket. And I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting idea, because then you, even you're you're spending the time pondering, not just like, oh, I read this, um, and and I think revelation can happen that way. So, yeah, that's cool. We do need to listen, you know. I remember another talk. Somebody said something about we say our prayers at night, and then we our head hits the pillow, and we spend no time pondering about. Well, I just asked God for this. Is He going to answer me? Right. And we're, we just hit the pillow. Yeah. And so that, I think that's an important part that a lot of us don't do enough. So. I, I think one of the most spiritually productive times in my life was during college because I did a lot of walking. Um, I had a job that was a little ways off campus and no car. So at lunch, I would read my scriptures and then I'd have to walk the 30 minutes or whatever it was to work. And that was probably the most fruitful time I think spiritually of you know compared to many other years of my life because during that walk I had all kinds of things come into my mind just because I I wasn't doing anything other than walking and so I've you know through the years tried to find time to walk I don't know why the process of walking helps I guess like clear my brain of other things and help inspiration come in but um, that would be an idea. Since you're an English major, wasn't it Henry David Thoreau that went, grew up in the woods or something? And he used to go on all these walks, and it was amazing. Yeah. And I've actually heard there are psychological things that, it, especially if you walk in nature, it really helps clear your mind and, and yeah. spiritual experience. That's cool. That's cool. So, 
I'm not an English guy at all, but I, I think that's a cool thing. But what life experience has caused you most to trust in God? Oh gosh, <laughs> all of them. I don't. I don't know. Uh, well, I shared that experience with me having depression. Mm-hmm. That was something that really helped me develop a, a connection, a relationship with God, and a, a dependence on Him. And I think before that point, you know, I knew about God, but did I know God personally? Not really. You know, I'd read my scriptures, done all the things that I had to do. But it was at that point where I was really pressed to lean on him. Because I just, you know, I had family and support and other things. But when you're in dark places, there's only really one person you can turn to. And that is God. And so in those, that time frame, I really had to lean heavily on him to just get me through the day. And I, I think that was... That was huge with my spiritual development. And so I, I look back and I'm grateful for that experience because they, I think otherwise I would have kind of just, you know, been content with like, oh yeah, I, I know God lives and all this stuff and I read my scriptures, I do my... But I don't think I had a relationship with him until that point. You know, and then I think parenting is another, you know, those are some experiences where you need God as well. Like help me know what to do. And, and Parenting one, is the toughest job you will ever have. Yes. <laughs> I swear. Yes. It's way harder than I ever imagined. I, I know. I, I had life pretty much figured out <laughs> in my mid-20s. Until you became a and parent. And then I became a parent. I realized I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... But when you were 20, you sure knew everything. Oh, I sure. I had it all figured out. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm about to have a teenager way. here, and that, and that just scares me to no end. <laughs> you know what? Let me say this, because I was scared to death of having teenagers, and I technically, well, Brandon's 19, Jessica's 17, and Preston's 13, so I have three it has been much better than I expected. So. Really? Okay. Maybe it's good that my expectations are low. Maybe. But yeah, especially Brandon. Oh my gosh. I heard somebody had told me how they are as toddlers is how they'll be as teenagers. And I was like, oh, I am in trouble. <laughs> we used to lose Brandon in the store. Like he used oh, to no. like purposely hide from us. He, he used to lose us all the time. Go at him. <laughs> you know? Oh, he drove me nuts. Yeah. But as a teenager, he was actually a really good kid. So, <laughs> so I don't know if you're listening to this, Brandon, but yeah, you're, you were a good teenager, so thank you. What do you love most about the Westfield Second Ward? I love how willing people are to to help each other. I mean, I when there's a need in the ward, I'm like I'm like too late to respond. I know. <laughs> like by the time I get there, it's like oh, we've got. 10 people who volunteered in front of you. So that's been neat to watch is that um, when people have a crisis in their lives, so many people are willing to step in. And it's even more of a miracle because I know like everyone is busy. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if we as a society in general have become more and more busy. And especially here in Utah where we have so many kids I mean, it's just so busy all the time, but then people put their busyness on hold and they're willing to help each other, and that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, this has been a very helpful word. I I think that's great. Cool. 
I think this is the hardest question on my list. If you could send one message, oh, and by the way, Ben said this was the easiest question. Oh, okay. <laughs> but if you could send one message a hundred years into the future for your posterity to hear, what would it be? Okay. So, I still don't know how I would answer that question, <laughs> by the way. This is a message that I feel like, I don't know, I, I'd probably say take care of each other because I, I had, like I said, wonderful grandparents, and all four of them have passed, passed away. One of them who we all feel very close to was my grandmother, and after she died, I was just praying like, you know, about it, and I felt like, gosh, what would, what would she be telling me to do right now? What would she want me to do? And, and the message came, take care of your family, take care of each other. And I feel like that's what I would tell my family to do is after I'm gone, watch out, watch out for each other, uh, help each other, learn the gospel, you know, help each other with times of trouble and struggle. And if I could guess at some, what Heavenly Father would tell us all, you know, if you could send us a message, I think that would be one of the messages he would send to us. The spirit children is help each other, take care of each other while you're down here out of my presence. Well, that's great. Well, is there anything we missed? What, what do we need to know about Debbie? I don't know. I don't have, I, I feel like some people have these just really dramatic, amazing life stories, but I feel like mine is fairly simple. So you pretty much heard the bulk of it. It's <laughs> about as interesting as it gets. I don't know. Yeah, I've just enjoyed the people in the ward, enjoyed getting to know everybody. I still feel like I'm terrible with names two years later, and I blame COVID, but I still feel like I could do a better job. Did you guys move in before COVID, or was it right about the sense? Yeah, like three months before. Three months before, that's what I thought. We did get to know a few people before it hit, thankfully. And then coming back, it was like trying to relearn (laughs) who everyone was again, but... um, yeah, it's been it's been fun, and uh, yeah, I look forward to getting to know even more people. I'm more than just a hello. I I see your face, or maybe I know your name. Well, and I hope with this podcast, one of the the things that that my goal is is so that we can get to know each other better, and and I feel like like I, I just sitting here. I know I know you even better. Um, I, we've had a few conversations, um, but uh, it, it, this is really. Because I'm terrible. I, I don't get to know anybody. And so this is kind of forcing me out of my shell to, hey, i got to call somebody. I, I know I'm going to be like the executive secretary. Everybody's going to be like, no, don't answer the phone, Rick. Who's going to want to be on the podcast? <laughs> oh. um, but, but I think it's fun. And I think, you know, we can really build a lot of word unity this way. And so, yeah. and that's my goal. And family history. And, well, you've got Ben, so he can help you with that. But yeah. uh, but I'm happy to help uh, with anybody. Hopefully, I can get everybody infected with, with family history, um, even if it's personal history or whatever. But everybody's an expert on, on their own history. So, anyway, that's my spiel. So, <laughs> so thanks, Debbie, once again um, for sitting down with me. And uh, we really appreciate you being on the Ward podcast. All right. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.